All right, it's good to see you all this morning, Cornerstone. My name is Justin. Today's scripture reading is from 1 Peter 2, 13 to 25. We'll be reading from the NIV version. I really like this passage. <laughs> Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. But it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The word of the Lord. All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Um, thank you, thank you. We're continuing through First Peter. Um, I'm Paul. I'm one of the pastors of the church. It's great to join you guys here. Pastor Jeff's uh, speaking at another church here this morning, so um, please keep him in prayer as well. And so uh, we're going through a series we were calling A Living Hope in Times of Turmoil. And throughout this letter that Peter has written, he is encouraging followers to remain faithful to the Lord in times of trials and persecution and immense suffering as well. And uh, what Peter does is he constantly points back to Jesus, our living hope, who can transform us to be his faithful followers here uh, as we live our lives on earth. And so for our passage today, we see this topic of submission and what it means to live in submission under the authorities that God has placed in our lives. So I know this might seem a little odd or weird to us in our day and age, but um, we ask that the Lord would help us to understand what it means to live in submission as he calls us to do here. So let's pray and ask the Lord to bless us as we hear um, from him through his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, even though passages like this uh, may seem a little odd or confusing, Lord, help us, enlighten us to see the ways in which we are called to live according to your will and your ways, which may be very different from how we think we are supposed to live. And so God, um, humble us to see your truth and how we can live it out faithfully in our lives, that we can live uh, faithfully according to your word in light of Christ in this world where we face much suffering and hardship, O oh God. 
pray for every single person here who is struggling with something in their life. I know that most of us are. Pray that you would bring peace, you'd bring hope because of Jesus, O Lord. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. So um, just a question for all of you. How many of you have been unjustly wronged by some sort of authority in your lives? This could be your bosses or your parents or teachers. Can you guys raise your hands if you have been wronged unjustly by some authority? Parents, teachers, bosses. No, I, think, I feel like everyone's hands should be raised here. I don't, I don't know what's going on. But anyway, I think uh, most of us probably have been wronged in some way. You know, maybe our parents you know, punished us for no reason, even though we were not the ones who deserved it. I'm sure that has happened to most of us in some way or form. And I think that the common uh, refrain or common idea is that uh, nowadays the younger generations of millennials and Gen Z tend to, as people say, not respect authority. I think in some ways that is somewhat true, but it's more complicated than just to say that, oh, these young people don't respect authority. It's definitely more complicated than that. Um, uh, it, it, but it is true that a, you know, a generation, the older generations, uh, probably more blindly respected authority. Maybe the boomers or um, even older generations above them had a more unconditional respect for their elders. And uh, you really didn't need any other reason beyond the fact that they were simply elders, your elders. And I think many of us who are Asian American here tend to still have that cultural understanding, even for us who are of the younger generation. We are taught more in our cultural context and our upbringing to respect our elders, no matter who they are, whether it be our aunties or uncles or our parents, grandparents, or even strangers that we meet, right? Um, but research has shown that there is a growing sense that uh, Gen Z and millennials uh, desire, um, they do not desire to just show blind respect. They actually desire a more mutual respect more than previous generations. A study by University of Missouri back in 2021 showed that uh, workers in the age range of 21 to 34, so that is uh, Gen Z millennials, essentially, they prioritized respectful communication over uh, this idea of having fun at work, right? So actually, mutual respect at work was the most important thing instead of like a, a fun work environment or a pleasurable work environment. That in and of itself is what people cared about. And so I think what uh, people have gathered is that the younger generations feel that unconditional respect should not simply be given, right? It is to be earned to some degree. And I think in many ways that is a good thing. That makes sense, right? We know that there are authorities who can be abusive, authorities who can uh, misuse their uh, power that they have, and we see these uh, abuses of power much more so nowadays because uh, social media, of the internet, they have become more public and apparent in many different spheres of the world. We become more knowledgeable about ways that authorities can be coercive, can be manipulative, and we see that there is abusive behavior behind, but beyond just the, the physical abuse that we see, there can be emotional abuse and things like that that we are much more knowledgeable about nowadays. And we want to see th these things you know, be, become right. We want them to be 
uh, want, want there to be justice for these things, the proper remediation or reconciliation. And I think that is a very positive thing that has come about in recent years and decades. And we shouldn't ever follow authority blindly. That is not what God calls us to do. And you know, as a millennial myself, I, of course, I am sympathetic to those who feel that there should be a mutual respect. But we also know that there are moments in our lives where we will not be treated with respect, especially by those who are above us in terms of authority. And we know that they will treat us, mistreat us in many ways. And they do not do the things that they ought to do as authority figures. And so what do we do then? Well, Peter addresses that for us here today. He says that we're to ultimately live in submission to the authorities around us. Uh, God created this order of authority and submission. All right? And we, we can see how this is required to some degree. Right? We need people who are in authority, and we need people to submit to authority. Right? Of course, we are all you know, cr- created equal image bearers of God, uh, but we all do not hold equal authority. We can't all be in charge, right? What's the saying? If we're all in charge, no one's in charge, right? So society would not function properly if we all just had equal say about everything. And more importantly, worldly authority and submission, we, we see that we do not see it there, and, and most importantly, we do not see it with our relationship to God, right? We do not hold the same authority with God. We are not God ourselves. God alone is God. He is our creator. He is in charge. He has ultimate authority over us, and we are called to submit to him. And so living in submission is living under the submission of God. In a worldly sense, it's all about living in submission to God as well. So when we submit to the, world, to the, to the societal um, things and the things in our world around us, we are also submitting ourselves to God. God has actually placed these authorities in the world, and we are called to be under them. Not to say that we are to, again, trust them blindly. That's not what we are called to do. But ultimately, we are to trust God. We trust in God, and we ultimately submit to him, even though these worldly authorities may not be the very best ones or may even be abusive at times. So Peter lays out for us the different circumstances where we are called to submit in these few verses. So let's go through them together. So first, Peter says, we are called to live in submission in society. We are called to live in submission in society. The the governors and rulers around us are meant to, um, what Peter says, to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. Um, and who do, who do good, in, and, and that is the will of God for these rulers and for these people that God has placed under authority over us. Right? God has ordained for them to be over us, and that includes our local mayors, our councilmen, our president. Yes, even if you don't like our president, God has allowed for all of them to be there. Right? Um, Peter was writing in a time where Rome, during the reign of Claudius or Nero, um, reigned, they reigned with extreme prejudice against Jews and Christians. They were very anti-Christian, and it was a very corrupt government. 
So I'm sure it was very hard for those Christians back then to submit to their civil authorities. However, in general, they were called to submit, just like we are called to submit. And not only do we simply submit, Peter says we are to do good, as it says in verse 15. It means we should do things that are praiseworthy. That means that we are to serve our communities and we should love our neighbors as God called us to do already, to be good citizens in our society. And when we do that, when we do these good things, what Peter says is that it silences those who believe that Christians are rebellious. Uh, One obvious recent example of where Christians did not do good is January 6, 2021 where so many so-called Christians stormed the Capitol to try to overthrow our government. Now, no matter where you land politically, that is a fact, what happened, what I just said. And I'm here to say that what the Bible tells us is that even if you feel the government is corrupt and needs to be upheaved, that is your opinion, that, that is a fine opinion to have. The way January 6th happened is not the way to do it. And what actually that day has done is that it has damaged how people view Christians. It has associated biblical Christianity, what we claim to believe, it associated that with what those people have done. Right? The Christianity we believe and practice is the equivalent to rebellious criminals who want to create chaos and disorder. Because Christians did not submit to societal authorities, they did not do good and did not honor our authorities, and it has not silenced the foolish, as Peter says. No, it has given them more ammunition to attack us, to say what what we believe is foolish. It has made us look foolish, unfortunately. And that's just one example. There are plenty of examples where Christians have failed in this way. And so, now, that doesn't mean we can't disagree with our civil authorities. Of course, we can speak out against them. We, we can speak out, and we can even disobey them at times. Right? This doesn't mean that we act as you know, lapdogs to the government and do whatever the government tells us to do. One famous example we know of is Martin Luther King, who spoke out and even disobeyed the authorities to seek equal rights for black people in the name of Jesus Christ. Right? He led boycotts, hunger strikes, which were sometimes technically illegal. But he did this with respect, dignity, and would even submit himself to go to jail. And when sent to jail, he would continue to speak and fight against the civil authorities he disagreed with. Again, doing so with the utmost respect. And in general, that is how we are called to respond as well. That doesn't mean that we cannot take up the sword when necessary, meaning we can't use violence when necessary. If people are attacking us with violence and with the sword, of course, we have to respond with the sword at times, right? So, you know, we're not here to be Quakers and pacifists here. That is not what God tells us. If the civil authorities are hurting us physically with violence, then we may need to respond with that as well. But again, the scriptures tell us repeatedly that we are to submit to the civil authorities, to society, as long as it does not contradict what God has told us in his word. 
right? Refusing to submit just because we don't like it is a disregard for God's authority, right? R.C. Sproul, a pastor who passed away years ago, he once said this, if I show no respect to a person whom God has set in authority between himself and me, my disrespect carries beyond that person and ultimately lands on God as the giver of authority. When we disrespect our civil authorities, the authorities given to us in our society, we are disrespecting our God because he is the one who has placed them beneath us, or over us, rather, and we are beneath them. In verses 18 to 20, Peter says that we are also called to live in submission as servants, or the NIV says slaves, right? The ESV version says servants. They, can, uh, mean, they essentially mean the same thing. We are called to submit to our masters, right? That's what Peter says to us, whether they are good or bad, because we fear God and look to him in faith. Right? We do this out of our fear of God, and we look to God in our faith. It is a God-oriented fear, according to verse 17. It says we fear God. So before I continue, I want to clarify what this means, this talk of masters and servants or masters and slaves. It's different from the slavery of what we think of here in America, of, of chattel slavery, especially chattel slavery to black people, right? That's what it was here, a race-based slavery we had in America. And it was especially cruel and brutal, what we did here. Uh, slavery in the Roman Empire was a little different, and it was generally more status-driven. It was, it was more class-driven. You were born a servant, and, a, or, and you may have become a servant or a slave if you were a prisoner of some kind. Uh, if you had a debt you couldn't pay, you became a slave or a servant. And being a slave did not mean you were doomed to a life of misery forever, for generations and generations and generations. You, you could, there were mechanisms for you to get out of slavery. And many servants were actually treated well. They were well-educated. Some of them were even more educated than their masters, according to some sources. And a slave could even, again, like I said, buy their own freedom eventually. And it's also important to know that Peter here is speaking of household Slaves, meaning that they were directly under the master uh, of a home. They were belonged to a certain home, and they were under direct supervision at all times. And so if you were a slave of the field or of the mines, something like that, you may have dealt with your master, but it was a little bit different. It was a, a, a different relationship. A household slave uh, was actually especially prone to being abused because they were directly under a master. And so they were especially prone to being mistreated even though their work may not have been physically as arduous as those working in the fields or working in the mines, those in the households did deal with a lot more mistreatment. And so nevertheless, Peter teaches here that these Christians who are under the households, under certain households and slaves of households, they are to live in patience, even when, they, even when these unjust masters mistreat them. He says that we are to be subject to our masters with Respect. Again, not because we respect the man. We don't, res- we don't necessarily respect the master, but we respect God. God who is the ultimate authority. We are called to, again, endure, to be patient. Now, none of us are servants or slaves of some master. I don't, I don't know anybody here, you know. And so, but we are subject to some authority in our personal lives. 
For us who are still children, not legally adults, we are subject to our parents, right? Our parents don't own us, but in a sense, they do own you when you are a child, right? You belong to them. You are under their custody. For those of us who work, we are subject to our bosses. Of course, you can quit, and you don't have to be, but if you choose to work for a company, you are subject to your bosses. They are your functional masters when you work there. And I'm sure some of you feel that way when you go to work, right? Unless you are the boss. That's obviously different. And even in the church, right? Of course, you are not slaves of any authority in the church, but you are under the authority of the officers of the church, with Christ ultimately being the head of the church. And, and the officers of the church have the right to discipline you Right? Even going as far to excommunicate you, saying that you no longer belong to this church community if you violate what scriptures say about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They have that authority over you. And of course, it's a voluntary relationship. You could always just like leave the church. Right? It's not like you are actually forced to be here. But they do hold some authority over you in that way when you say that I am a member of Cornerstone. Now, you may be thinking of your, you know, your workplace or of your household, and you may think, you know, this is so unfair that I have to be under authority of these people. This is so unjust, right? We are subject to our bosses. For those of us who are still children, we are subject to our parents who are our functional masters, like I said. And again, I know this sounds so unfair to some of us, but this is the order that God has created. God has called you all to be faithful where he has placed you. And when we submit as servants, we are being faithful to God. And that's the connection to everyday application, the the way we live our everyday lives and how we respect, serve, and honor our authorities is a way that we show that we are faithful followers of Jesus. So again, that doesn't mean you can't speak up against injustice or you, you just take all of the punishment from your authorities and don't say anything. I think that's how we are naturally inclined to think about this submission. Right? To give an example, when, when a boss wrongs you or places blame on you for something you didn't do, right? you, you don't go and just badmouth your boss behind their back. You don't undermine your boss out of spite and anger, but instead with wisdom, you, you can respond with dignity. You can speak up for yourself in a peaceful manner. You can even complain about your boss, but you do it with a sense of compassion and concern. And the same goes for how we respond to our parents. If we are still under their authority, right, then we are to show respect to them, even if we disagree with them, even if we feel wronged or unjustly treated. And of course, there will be times where, out of your conviction to follow the Lord and to fear God, you will not be able to submit to those in authority, as I mentioned earlier. And that may mean, yes, you may disobey your parents. You can disobey your parents. It's not totally wrong to do so. But it is only if it is your conviction that you are honoring the Lord when you do so. Right? We, don't dishonor our, we don't disobey our parents just because we don't like what they say. No, we only disobey our parents when it is dishonoring to the Lord to obey them. Because ultimately, we submit to God. God is our authority, right? So now living like this will not necessarily mean that things will turn out well for us in our lives. It's not like, oh, for good, you know, 
good people who submit to our authorities, life is going to be great. No, by no means will, is this true. Uh, well, as, we, as long as we live on this earth, as long as we are not with God the Father in heaven, we will endure many hardships. And even though it is honoring and pleasing to God to, to faithfully submit, it will sometimes bring suffering. Obedience to God can produce pain. And so Peter calls us here to, to a faithful suffering. He says, For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure, and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Being mindful to God is not just remembering that God is real, right? It's actually remembering who God is and trusting in what he has done for us in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that leads me to the last point where we see Peter say that we are called to live in submission as Christ submitted himself to the cross, right? We can only do this because we have an example that has shown us. We remember the cross, the suffering that Jesus endured on our behalf. These trials and sufferings that we, have, we endure in our life, that we live in, when we live in submission, is nothing compared to the suffering that Christ endured when he submitted himself to death. And not only that, it is a reminder that the suffering we endure will not last forever. Our suffering is not eternal. It will eventually end. And we will one day experience no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. And we, we will experience none of that because of Jesus. And with this reminder, with this mindfulness of God being renewed by the Spirit where we have died to sin, now we live to righteousness. We see in the, the last part of our passage, it shows us all that we can do to follow that example. That even though he was perfect, all, all, he, Jesus was perfect in every respect. He was able, he was reviled, and he did not threaten. He lived to righteousness, see? We see Jesus as the example. We see him as the model for us. Right? That he submitted himself to dying for us. God himself dying for us. That is the ultimate form of submission that we could ever see. God condescending himself to be one of us. Stooping so low. Being what we call theologically humiliated. In his humiliation becoming one of us, because we are just lowly creatures. Him being a lowly creature, submitting himself under the authority of death, dying for us, but ultimately claiming victory over death because, of his, because he was perfect and being raised from the dead. So we can live in submission because we see Jesus' example. And Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit to live in this way. And not only can we do it, it is a good thing, brothers and sisters. It is good because God has said it to be so. God has ordained it to be so. It is good not only just for us personally, it's good for society as a whole. It is good for us to live in humility and in submission to authorities. Now, I know for some of us, this is kind of hard to really understand or grasp, or it may seem improbable or even impossible in certain situations, but it is possible in Christ. Again, he died for us, not for us to just receive eternal life, 
No, but so that we can live in righteousness ourselves. And that is now, brothers and sisters. We can live to righteousness now as Jesus lived in perfect obedience. And I know we live in an age where we have, in general, less and less respect for authority. And perhaps those in authority do not deserve respect. That very well may be true. However, I also think that it might be a sign of our own hearts as Christians that we do not want to submit to our authorities because we don't want to submit to God. We don't want to submit to God with our lives. We do not want to do what the, the Word tells us to do. We ignore the things that God commands that, we, that are inconvenient for us or hard to swallow. You know, Many of us say that we may want God and we trust in God, but we don't want all of it. Because some of the things that he says that we are to do, they feel wrong or offensive or embarrassing or uncomfortable. And I think, unfortunately, many of us may think this way as Christians. And if that is you, I pray that the Lord would work, work in your heart, work in our heart, to give us a heart of repentance so that we can truly submit every part of our life to the Lord. And I pray that the Lord will do a work in all of us to help us live in submission as servants, ultimately under the authority of our God. And you know, going back to disciple-making and mission, which we always try to go back to, we always try to emphasize, when we submit to the Lord, what a great opportunity we have to witness. Witness to other people around us, to show that we can be upstanding citizens, good, faithful workers who do not complain about our bosses all the time, children in society who actually respect our parents and can actually even disagree with our parents in a respectful manner to show that we have true biblical convictions. What a great opportunity we have to witness to those around us. In a world, in a society where everyone is out to, to live for selfish gain. How different it would be for us to live as Christians who are willing to submit to the authorities before us, even though they may be wrong, even though they may do wrong things to us. And lastly, when we submit our lives to God, when we submit to him, the Lord leads us. He leads us to live in obedience to him and to the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God changes us when we submit to him. God changes us so that we can live in obedience to him, to serve him. And so may the Lord change our hearts, and may he do that work in all of us here today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us this passage that uh, is difficult for some of us and or many of us here, God, to live in submission to the authorities around us in, in society, as servants. But we know that ultimately they are all under the authority of you. And that is why we are called to faithfully submit. So God, may that Show us how we are to live every day and how we interact with our 
society, with our neighbors, with our workplaces, uh, even with our government, Lord. Help us how we can help help us to see how we can live according to your word here. That we do not have to uh, be uh, be be lap dogs or anything like that. But Lord, we know that we are still called to faithfully respect our authorities, to listen to them, but also speak out when we feel that there is something wrong. For God, help us to navigate how to do this in our everyday lives. We know that this can be challenging in many aspects of our lives. And Lord, we know that we may be punished for our faithful responses, that we may endure suffering for the way we respond. But God, you tell us that we can endure this because of Jesus, because we see Jesus' example. We see what he has done, how he has been faithful, and that through his death and resurrection, we have your spirit in us that can change us and work in us. And so, God, we, we thank you. We thank you that we can look to Christ as our example and we can suffer because Christ has ultimately suffered for us. And so, God, that is what we remind ourselves here today of Jesus, of his death and resurrection, of his suffering for us. And we give glory to you and honor to you for all that you've done through Jesus Christ. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.